0: Lord God, we give you thanks for this new morning, for this set-aside time to rest and gather around your word and sacrament, to not only remember your good news, but to hear it, to let it sink into our lives. And so that is our prayer today, God. We pray it believing in your grace, and therefore we pray it boldly. That you might give us a new word today and give us the faith to hear it and to go out and to begin to live it. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, good morning. And no, you do not need to adjust your TV. I don't have uh, dirt on my chin. This is my uh, very pitiful attempt to grow a beard. Uh, and some of you might be thinking, you know, is this some sort of cry for help? Maybe. It's yet to be determined. Uh, tune in next week and I'll, and I'll give you an update. But listen, it's a, uh, this is a hard season. We're getting, we've been in, we say it every week, but it seems like, at least in my, uh, in my life, it's, it's hard in, in new ways. Recently, I have just been overwhelmed with how this season of self-quarantine and, uh, and the virus, I've just been overwhelmed with how passive it has made us, how we've been forced into passivity. and In some ways, it's because of the places where we used to be able to, to be active, to get after it, to feel like we were getting things done, we literally haven't been allowed to do those things. And then in other places, it's just having to wait on things that are outside of our control and, and do things that we really don't have a choice in, in whether we want to or not. And it's hard. Even in, in places of our faith, maybe there's some areas where this is revealed where we have always been passive, but even in the places where we were pursuing the Lord oftentimes, like gathering for worship or getting together in community, It's simply uh, not possible. But this morning, my hope is that we can see that that is not the end of the story. That is not our only option. We're going to look at uh, the book of Ephesians, a passage in that book. And at least traditionally, Ephesians, it was written uh, by Paul in prison. And whether that was true or not, I'm not 100% sure, but that is true for other uh, books that Paul wrote. And what I believe that we see is that it doesn't matter what our context is. It doesn't matter where we might find ourselves or what we are being forced to do or to not do. Our faith can be active. It can be bold. It can be a place of great purpose. That's my prayer that we might be able to see that this morning. And that's the message that Paul speaks to and embodies in our passage. To gather around the resurrected Lord is to believe that because of what God has done in Jesus, our faith is a source of power and transformative love for the world. It is as active and as bold as we can imagine let me say that in the in the second person here just so that you can really take it in that that your faith because of what God has done in Jesus is a source of power and transformative love for the world that is true for you today Paul He takes seriously, what we're about to read is that he takes seriously who Jesus has been for him by believing that the good news is true for others. And in doing so, God shapes Paul into the person who the gospel says he will be. This is what we're about to read. It's like a more, if you've ever read or seen the title or even just heard the phrase uh, by John Ortberg, um, you, you can't walk on water unless you get out of the boat. Well, this is like the most earthy, realistic version of that. That what Paul's going to show us is if we truly want to take the good news seriously, we have to live the good news. We have to look for it. And when we do, we will find that what we believed has become true in our own life. Well, this all, in some ways, started to crystallize for me recently. Um, In this time of the coronavirus, I've had a little extra time on my hands. I've been kind of in one place, as we all have been, and so I figured I needed to maybe pick up some new hobbies. And I thought, you know, bird watching that might be a good one there's birds around my house and that's where i am 99 percent of the time and so uh, i did what i often do when i'm thinking about getting a new hobby i don't actually pursue the hobby i just look the hobby up on the internet and pretend like that's the same thing and so i i googled you know how do you get into bird watching and first website i went to it had three steps which was like great that's as many steps as I knew. Three steps to get into bird watching. And so what I assumed was, was that uh, I, what, I, what they were going to tell me to do is to, is to first get a bird book or to, to really learn what the birds look like or learn their names or they was going to tell me where, I needed to, uh, where the birds lived and where I needed to go look for them or whatever. And so I was pretty surprised that that wasn't it at all. That wasn't, in the, that wasn't even in the first two steps. In fact, the first step, it said, if you want to get into bird watching, or birding, as the cool kids call it, if you want to get into to birding, the first step is to start looking for birds. Start looking for birds. Huh, that makes sense. Not memorize things or buy this or get a bird feeder. Just start looking for them. What they said was, if you take them seriously, if, if you begin to value and prioritize birds, you will actually begin to see them more and more often. See different types, and, and maybe you won't know what they are, but if you really want to get into bird watching, you got to start looking for them. And the amazing thing is, is that you will see more and more. It's not like they weren't there before. You'll just notice them. And this is the truth that, that Paul embodies at the beginning of our passage. And today we are going to do things a little different. We're just going to take it almost line by line and walk through it. But this is what Paul invites us to do right from the beginning. Verse 15, listen for God's word for us this morning. Paul says, for this reason, ever since I heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. It's not even a a complete sentence, but if I was to put that in my own language and if I was to use the context of what's come right before this, Paul's saying, because of my faith in the gospel, I've heard about your faith. Because I am taking the work of Jesus seriously, because I believe that work is true for me, I went looking for people's faith and heard about yours. Indeed, the first step To live into resurrected hope is to start looking for faith in others. To know that if faith truly was a gift from God, then we believe and want to see where that gift has been given to others around us. And that might be the most convicting detail of this whole passage because I don't know about you, but I tend to notice where people lack faith, not where they have it. And that's true for my own life, and it's true for your life. I don't, and it's not in some sort of mean-spirited, critical way, but I tend to think that, that where I need to, to uh, work on things, or where I need to love people, is where, where they lack faith, not where, where it's present. And I think that makes sense, makes sense that that's our mentality, because back to our bird analogy, if, if we're not looking for birds, of course we on occasion notice them, but when is that? Is it not when they poop on our car? Is it not when they hit a window in our office and scare the, the living tar out of us? Or they, they build a, a nest in some uh, place where we don't want them to build a nest, like in our attic or something? When we are not looking for birds or we are not looking for the faith of others, when we will notice it on occasion, but it's often when it annoys us. We will notice someone's faith when we're jealous of them, when it's off-putting to us or frustrating us. Yes, there is the rare occasion when we are in the perfect mood and the time is just right and we walk out and, and we hear uh, you know, the birds singing and we say that's nice, but more often than not, it's where it shows up and it's, it is bothering our life. And yet that's not true for Paul. Paul is grateful when he finds someone else's faith. Our passage continues, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul takes the gospel seriously. And so he goes out and looks for where the gospel is alive and other people's life. And so when he finds it, he gives thanks. It's filled with gratitude. When is the last time you gave thanks for someone else's faith? If it's been a while, if you're out of practice, Paul is gracious enough to to give us an example of what that can look like. Um, He shows us how he then begins to pray out of that thankfulness. In verse 17 and 18, Paul writes this, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope of which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul's prayer The way that he lives into his thankfulness is for the Ephesians to know the Lord better, to become even more aware of the power of God in their life. I find this to be utterly fascinating, I find it to be quite inspiring. Because in this moment, in this passage, Paul is not saying that I'm giving thanks to the Ephesians because they've got it all together because they're some kind of finished product. He is admitting and saying and taking seriously that the Ephesians don't have it all figured out. They aren't fully aware of who Jesus is in their life. That there is still brokenness and sin, no doubt. But what John Calvin says about this passage is that Paul wants the Ephesians to contemplate the power of God so that they will not be discouraged by their own weaknesses. Paul is saying, I have given thanks for your faith. And I am praying that you might know more and more how real the gospel is in your life. So that when you fall short, when you haven't figured out, you don't give up, you're not discouraged. Paul doesn't have rose colored glasses, he's not turning a blind eye to sin. But in the reality of what it means to be a community where we have encountered the gospel, but we are still broken people, Paul is not passive. He isn't waiting on people to simply get better. Paul is taking seriously that sin is defeated, and therefore he is praying toward victory for his fellow people of faith. I want you to know Jesus more. This whole passage, Paul in general, obviously, is stereotypical biblical language. Makes sense. It's in the Bible. But just for a second, can you imagine if this is how we prayed for one another, if we saw people's faith and we were praying daily that they might know the Lord better, that that God's grace might be revealed to them. What an amazing way to pursue people. What a hopeful way to do that. I recently read that one of the most distinct memories someone has in their life, if it even happens in their life, is the first time someone names something in them as special or good. Not just, hey, good job on that thing, or I enjoy when you do this but you have a gift around this thing. You know, early on in my ministry uh, career, I got to speak at this ski trip um, for high schoolers, and Shondor Firevar, a member of our church leadership team, he was on that trip. And after the, the weekend away, after giving those talks, Shondor came up to me, and he said, hey, I want to uh, go out to lunch with you. And and talk about uh, your sermons. And I kind of thought, great. Uh, knowing Shondor, I kind of expected to have some critical feedback. Uh, but Shondor took me took took me out to lunch. Well, he didn't take me out to lunch. I think we we paid separately. But we went out to lunch, and uh, he told me, or he asked me, he said, "Do you know that you have a gift with preaching?" And that had never occurred to me. That had never crossed my mind. And he went on to tell me why he thought that was so. And I can tell you, uh, in the course of my ministry since then, I have obviously been critiqued many times, and I remember those fairly well. But I've also been affirmed many other times. And I remember none of the specifics of those other affirmations. But I remember what Shondor said, and it changed my life. Changed how I saw who I was. That is some power we have to give that kind of empowerment to each other. And Paul, he goes beyond even that kind of affirmation. He continues in our passage. This power that I see in you, this power that I hope you begin to see more of, that that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when God raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Paul says this power I'm talking about, this is not the power that you need in your life, It's not the power I'm going to pray that you receive, but I believe the very power that resurrected from Jesus is in your life right now, has been given to you. I'm sorry, can you imagine if we proclaim this truth to others with real sincerity because we really saw it in them? because we were out looking for it and praying over it. When we see God at work in others, we have the chance to invite them to the empty tomb. We have the chance to be evangelists on par with Mary Magdalene and Peter, to be conduits of grace and help people become who they were created to be. Which is why Paul finally ends our passage by saying, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Paul closes by saying, As this prayer is answered, as your faith becomes more robust that we will become the church together, the body of Christ. We will become the very vehicle by which the world will be transformed and held together. Do you want to take the good news seriously? Go look for it in the world. When you find it, pray that it might become more and more revealed. And proclaim the power of what that means. Look, pray, proclaim. That is a vision. And it ain't passive. And it is at our fingertips this very morning. May you believe it is true for you. May we take it seriously and become the church together. Thanks be to God. Amen.